you guys. Here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 14. And this week, I thought it might be helpful to do an episode where I talk about some of the mistakes that I've made while ultra training so that you can avoid making them too. There are a lot of moving parts to this sport between gear, training, nutrition, race strategy, etc. And it can be tough to navigate, especially if this is your first ultra. As the saying goes, you don't know what you don't know, and that can be frustrating and a little unnerving. Even as you progress in this sport, I think you'll find that there's always some element that you're experimenting with or trying to like tweak or refine so that things will theoretically, right, go smoother. And I don't think that anyone, even the most elite athletes, have it all figured out all of the time. So don't try to rush this process. You've got to take your time and find what works for you. And it's a constant evolution, at least I know it is for me. Now, with that said, there are definitely things that you can learn from others that will help you avoid some of those major pitfalls of ultra running. So I picked five things, or I should say five mistakes that I want to help you kind of avoid at all cost. And in no particular order, they are not testing your gear early or often enough, putting stuff off or not dealing with it until it's gotten to the level of being a huge problem, winging it or going off script on race day, trying to run someone else's race, and living and dying by the technology. So I'm just going to kind of run through these and give you some thoughts and examples of things that... um, I have done or I know other people have done and ways that you can kind of circumnavigate these mistakes. So number one is not testing your gear early or often enough. And this question came up in my group coaching program last week. And I think it's never too early to start thinking about what you'll wear and or use on race day. The last thing you want to do is show up and be nervous or unsure about something that you've decided to wear or eat or use will perform under race day conditions. So start thinking about what your race will be like and what you'll want or need that day. Everything from head to toe. If you don't have it, go get it and then immediately start putting it through its paces. Stuff like clothing and socks are really important. Um, If you've ever seen any race pics of me, it's likely that they all look the same (laughs) pretty much because I found a couple outfits that work really well and rather than messing with it, I keep it consistent. I know what top, what bottom, what underwear, what sports bra, what socks to wear, and you know, what headwear, what sunglasses. I know all the things and I have a couple different sets of things that I can swap in and out depending on the temperature. So I can add layers, I can take layers away, but you have to get to that. I didn't just figure that out yesterday. (laughs) I came to that after years of testing. So try it out. All right. If you're going to, um, 
eat and drink along the way, test that out too. I actually had a client that was doing a race overseas and the hydration mix that they were using on course wasn't something readily available here in the States. So she had to order some ahead of time and test it out. And luckily she did that because ultimately she decided that she didn't like it at all, (laughs) like couldn't stomach it. So she rigged up a way to carry her own mixes and just stuck to water on the course. I will, however, tell you a quick story about an experience I had at the Barkley Fall Classic. So some of you guys who have listened to the podcast know I ran this race a couple years ago, going back to do it again. And so what I learned in the last time is going to inform what I wear this next time. So the first time I did it, I knew that the course was going to be hard and that I was going to be doing things like crawling and sliding on my butt, you know, like not like some running, but like a little bit of obstacle course type of stuff at the same time. And I didn't want to ruin my preferred race gear, the stuff that I was talking about before. So I went out and bought a pair of cheap running tights specifically for that day. The kicker was that I had forgotten to do this until right around a week before the race. So I didn't really get to test them out, not to mention that they weren't really all that comfortable. So fast forward to race day, I went to put them on and I thought for sure that I was going to have trouble with them. And I was stressing about it. I went through the process of kind of lubing up all of the seams on the inside of the pants because again, I hadn't had time to wash or wear them. So they were basically fresh off the rack. This is not something I would recommend. So I thought the best way to go about it would be to kind of lube up the seams because they were a little scratchy. And I thought that those might be what gave me the problem. I did that and I like said a little prayer. <laughs> Luckily, they, they didn't really cause me any issues. And frankly, I was getting more scraped up by the course than I was by my cheap pants. So just to reiterate, it's never too early. The second mistake on this list is putting stuff off or not dealing with it until it's a huge problem. Now, back in high school, I used to play soccer and I would get horrible blisters from my cleats because they were super tight and they never seemed to fully dry out. Our fields were constantly underwater. I went remember going through so much newspaper <laughs> trying to dry out my cleats. It was just, it was so gross. So ever since then, I've been a real stickler about my feet with regard to running. So I always make sure to keep my feet in good condition by keeping my nails short, using a file and a pumice stone to make sure I don't have any calluses, et cetera, et cetera. But I've known lots of runners that put off dealing with this kind of stuff until they just can't go on anymore. So this isn't just relegated to feet and blisters. This includes other aches and pains that kind of creep in during training that never get dealt with and then they manifest into injuries that potentially sideline you. This includes problems with shoes or other gear, which is why I always recommend that you test stuff out ahead of time. And this also includes not eating and drinking properly in training or on race day. So don't put stuff off um, until it like rears its ugly head. Like we want to stay ahead of this stuff. Lots of times 
the ultra mentality is to push through, but I would argue that's not always the right course of action. Ultras are about endurance and moving for a long time. And and you can't do that if you're not taking care of yourself. So whether it's, I don't know, a hot spot on your foot or your hydration pack isn't sitting right or you're thirsty or hungry, deal with it, (laughs) right? When I'm doing a long run or a race, I find myself going through a systems check from head to toe pretty regularly. I think to myself, okay, how do I feel? What do I need? Should I deal with it now? Or can it wait until I get home or to the next aid station? And by doing this, I'm setting up a fail safe, a way to kind of keep tabs on myself to ensure that I'm never behind or at a deficit. And that loop kind of runs in my head. It's not constant, like it's not incessant, but I do it every so often. Like, how do I feel? What do I need? Should I deal with it now? Or can it wait until X, the next, you know, like I said, whether I get home, the next convenience store that I come up on, the next time I get to an aid station, whatever it is, right? Or maybe it's I stop and deal with it right now, especially if you're in training and you're wearing a pack like you might during your race. Pack it up, put stuff in there, stuff to take care of your blisters, extra food, extra whatever it is you might, extra pair of socks. I've even taken, you know, extra shirts and stuff to test them out while I'm running. Um, Use that time. Training isn't, you know, just for logging these epic runs that you get to post on Strava. It's about trying things and finding out what works. So just to reiterate, don't put stuff off. Deal with it as soon as possible. Okay, number three, winging it or going off script when it comes to your nutrition plan on race day. Now, this is a big one. Having a strategy for how you're going to handle race day nutrition is important. And I'm going to explain this to you via a little story about myself and my first attempt at 100 miles and the nutrition fails I had that day. So I was cruising right along for most of the first day. We started at like 9 a.m. and I had made it, you know, all day into the first, you know, early evening. I'd been drinking well and eating some stuff here and there, but I wasn't being diligent and following any sort of plan. I just thought I'll eat as I'm hungry and I'll decide on the spot what I want and need bad idea. (laughs) That was like a really bad idea. I had brought a ton of stuff that I'd been practicing with, you know, like the usual stuff, PB&J, potato chips, trail mix, oranges, bananas. So I knew what I had worked for me, but what I failed to do was come up with any sort of solid plan around volume and frequency. So at about 10.30 p.m. that night, my friend Steve arrived to pace me for the overnight leg. And not long after we set out on that loop, I started to feel a little bit woozy. Now, Steve is one for going all out and he was wearing a set of Christmas lights um, as kind of like his race costume decoration and they were set to like flash and blink. And so we set off into the dark and after about 15 minutes, I had to ask him if he would switch the lights off or at least make it so that they didn't blink anymore. 
And I thought I was just getting tired because it was nighttime and I'd been running for 13 hours. So I had to put my hand on his shoulder and he sort of like pulled me along for a little bit as I fought through the dizziness and the nausea. And I I thought that maybe it was just because of the lights, but it wasn't. (laughs) So, So not long after that, I had to duck into the woods to use the bathroom. (laughs) And after emerging from there, I felt like a little bit better, but something still was not right. So we got to the aid station and by this time I was cold, like teeth chattering cold, so cold. And I was without the proper clothing. That's a whole other discussion for another time. But Steve did manage to get me a space blanket and some veggie broth as I sat by the campfire in an effort to try and warm up and stop being so dizzy. So I was there for maybe like five or so minutes. And after I drank the broth, it came right back up. (laughs) So in retrospect, there are a couple things going on here. The first was my lack of calories. The second was my hypothermia, my borderline hypothermia. So the takeaway from this story is have a plan when it comes to nutrition on race day. Not just think about it, practice it, write it down and stick to it as much as possible. Um, that race would have gone so differently for me if I had just eaten better and more consistently. Um, and this example encompasses all three of the mistakes that we've talked about so far, not testing your stuff, putting stuff off, not dealing with it and winging it. So (laughs) one example to prove all three things. Now for comparison's sake, that same race a year later went entirely different for me. I had a better nutrition plan. I ate more consistently throughout the day and night. And that year I finished. Whereas the year before I DNF'd after 75 miles. So just to reiterate, stick to the plan. Don't wing it. The fourth mistake is trying to run someone else's race. Running with others is awesome. It's comforting to have your friends with you. They can help keep pace and motivate you as you tick off the miles. But when you stop running your race and start running theirs, that's a problem. (laughs) I'm a bit of a loner when it comes to running and I'd honestly prefer to train and race kind of by myself, mostly because of this reason. Like early on when I started running, I got caught up in trying to keep up with others. I never, this is so, so silly, but I never wanted them to think that I was slow or that I wasn't as good as them. So I pushed myself harder than necessary because I was trying to keep up with people that were quite frankly, They had been running longer than me and they were just flat out faster than me. I was running their pace um, during races and or training runs and not mine. So ridiculous to think about in hindsight, but this is pretty common, especially with like running groups or track night workouts. And I'm not trying to dissuade you from going to those because they are definitely a fun and necessary part of, of training, but always be cognizant of yours versus theirs. It's like really easy to get swept up in a run or a race and be going way above what you're used to. And this can quickly lead to burnout, just burning the candle at both ends or redlining, whatever analogy you want to think about. In ultras, there's 
lots of time. So you might run with someone for a while and then go your separate ways and then end up seeing them again somewhere else on the course. So don't ever be afraid to say to the person that you're with, you know what, I'm just going to run on my own for a little bit. And honestly, I respect the hell out of people when they say this because it shows that they've got a good handle on their abilities. So just to reiterate, run your own race. Okay, the last one, number five, living and dying by the technology. The technology that's available to us these days is amazing, right? The fact that we can track virtually every aspect of our physical performance from heart rate to heart rate variability to sleep to all of this stuff is just mind-blowing. And it's certainly helpful in understanding our bodies and knowing how to change our training in order to improve. But if you're basing your performance as a runner solely by what the devices say, that's not running, right? At some level, we're all running because it's fun. Otherwise, we wouldn't keep doing it. This also came up during a weekly check-in call with my Run Farther Faster Stronger group. And since they're kind of working on zone two right now, a couple of them mentioned that they're having trouble finding a rhythm, like a good pace when running in zone two. And (laughs) I'm not going to lie, a couple of them flat out said, I don't like it. It's not fun. And that right there is a red flag. Yes, zone two is important, but if you're checking your watch every, I don't know, 30 seconds to be sure that you're still in zone two, that's going to zap the fun right out of it. If your device causes you anxiety and you feel tethered to it, like it dictates what you do, it's time to recalibrate. It's time to think about a different approach to using that technology to facilitate your running. I just know so many runners that stress out over the numbers, the data, like to the point where running becomes so unfun that they drop out altogether. And that's not what I want for you guys. So I think the key is to understand why you're wearing that device, that particular device, and what the information is going to do for you, not to you. You're 100% in control of your training plan. So just to reiterate, don't live and die by the technology. Running should be fun. Okay, so there you have it. Five things or five mistakes that I want to help you avoid making when it comes to ultra running. And look, it's totally possible that you will still make these mistakes even after having listened to this. And you know what? It's okay. Some people have to learn things on their own terms. I may or may not be one of those people. (laughs) And there are a million more mistakes that you can make when it comes to this sport. The important thing to remember is what did you learn? Every time something goes awry, it's not so much about the fact that it happened. Yes, it happened. You deal with it in like it happens, but it'll be more beneficial to you in the long run if you can figure out what you learned from that experience and use it to your advantage going forward. 
All right, you guys, I got to run. But if you enjoyed this episode, screenshot it, share it on Instagram, and be sure to tag me at findyourultra. And share a mistake that you've made in the past. And who knows, maybe you'll help someone else avoid that same mistake in the future. Enjoy this beat, and I'll see you all soon. Thank you.